All right, well, welcome this morning to Crosspoint Fellowship Online. Uh, we are so excited to be with you this morning, coming to you in your homes, worshiping with you, leading you in worship and your family. Um, I just uh, pray that this is encouraging to you this time and gives us a moment, just an hour of our week, just to kind of put everything on pause and focus on God, focus on his word and what he has to say to us, how he has to encourage us. I don't know about you, but this has been a very encouraging s- series for me, and it's made me think throughout the week about the things that we've been talking about and learning and singing about. And so I um, encourage you just to, again, just to jump in with the worship, just get excited about what the words that are on the screen and uh, sing with us. We're going to sing a couple songs and then we'll get to the message we'll hear from Paul this morning. So let's sing. The dark tried to hide you and steal you away. Death tried to keep you inside of the grave. The enemy fought you. He tried, but he lost. You cannot be stopped. When we cried for freedom, you tore down the walls. The weight of our burdens, you carried it all. Our fears and our failures hang dead on the cross. You cannot be stopped. Mover of mountains, breaker of chains, Jesus has triumphed over the grave. Sing hallelujah, the battle is won, nothing can stand against our God. We stand on your victory, we shout at your praise. Miracle maker, you're mighty to save. Awesome in power, relentless in love. You cannot be stopped. Mover of mountains, breaker of chains. Jesus has triumphed over the grave. Sing hallelujah, the battle is won, nothing can stand against our God. There's nothing that can stop our God, there's nothing that can stop our God, there's nothing that can stop our God, there is nothing, there is nothing, sing that. There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There's nothing that can stop our God. There is nothing. There is nothing. Oh, there's nothing that can stop our God. There's 
mover of mountains, breaker of chains. Jesus has triumphed over the grave. Sing hallelujah, the battle is won. Nothing can stand against our God. Sing hallelujah, the battle is won. Nothing can stand against our God. Amen. I believe that. I hope you believe that too this morning. surrounding me let it break at your name still call the sea to still the raging me to still every wave at your name Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus breathe call these bones to leave call these lungs to sing once again I will praise Jesus the darkness tremble Jesus Jesus you silence fear Jesus Jesus you make the darkness tremble Jesus 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 you make the darkness tremble Jesus darkness tremble Jesus Jesus your name is a light that the shadows can't deny your name cannot be overcome your name is a
hearts to listen to your word this morning. Prepare our hearts to learn about how you are uh, the one that can uh, blow the darkness away, that uh, demons fear, that darkness trembles when they get near you, hear your voice. Lord, it scatters uh, every um, evil thing and causes it to flee. God, in our own hearts this morning, whatever anxiety we may feel, whatever fear we may feel, whatever unsureness of the future, God, uh, stir our hearts to hope and stir our hearts to every good thing that you have to offer us during this time. We love you, God. We open our hearts now to you as we open up your word. And I pray, amen. Well, good morning, everybody out there in Facebook world. Uh, we are continuing our series Rest, finding God in troubled times. Today we're talking about finding hope in all of this hopelessness. Now, last week I plugged the YouVersion Bible app to told, told you you could follow along with that. This week I'm telling you that you can't. Uh, the app is having some issues with uh, scripture references, and so I wasn't able to get that up there. So just know that if you're looking for that, that will not be there this week. Otherwise, I'm so glad that you have joined us, and we are glad that uh, you have chosen to spend another week with Crosspoint Online. Now, we are living in a time where hope is a top commodity. Like, the list goes money, toilet paper, and then hope. And honestly, hope is probably even more important than the other two. Where we place our hope in times of trouble is of ultimate importance. I'm here today to tell you that in times of uncertainty all times of uncertainty, we must place our hope in God. God is the source of a brighter future. He is what makes things better. And uh, in this day and age where we're struggling to find positives at times, we must have hope in order to continue to feel like life is moving in a positive direction. We're going to be looking in Isaiah chapter 40 today, and we're going to pretty much read the entire chapter. So there's a lot of scripture today. If you're not a fan of scripture, we'll pray for you, uh, but just know that there will be a lot of it. It's a very beautiful chapter, very poetic, uh, lots of good stuff in there for us to look at when it comes to finding hope in God. So in Isaiah chapter 40, what we come across is the people, that's how they're referred to, the nation of Israel, experiencing... Uh, let's call them growing pains. Now, they have angered God, once again, and because of that, they've fallen out of his favor. Now, the chapter before this, in Isaiah 39, Isaiah prophesied about an upcoming Babylonian captivity, right? The nation of Israel was going to be held captive by another nation once again. That nation would be Babylon. In light of this message, in light of the message received in Isaiah 39, God sees fit in Isaiah 40, to bring a message of comfort to his people, to deliver a message of hope. There would be no escaping captivity, no escaping what was to come, no easy way out of their circumstance. 
but yet God wanted to know, wanted them to know that they were not forsaken. So we come to Isaiah 40 and verse one through 11 says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert, a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken, a voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice and shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers his lambs in the arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that are young. See, God wants people to know that in these troubled times, there's comfort to be had in him. He goes on to tell the people, you are like grass in a field. When you are blown on, you fall over you wither, you die. There will be time when things are not flourishing. There's going to be circumstances coming your way where your people die out, where you're suffering, where you will find no, 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 nothing to really have hope in. But understand that, that I am God and I'm telling you that after this debt is paid, after this time in ba Babylonian captivity is completed, you will once again flourish. You will once again flourish because I am the God that is powerful and mighty and my word will stand the test of time. Even in the days when the flowers are withering, even in the days when the grass is dying out. God wants his people to know that they are loved, for us to know that he is sovereign, powerful, mighty, gentle to the young ones. One of the things that we need to learn is that hope begets hope. Hope gives way to hope. When we find hope, when we place our hope in the Lord and we share that hope with others, all that does is breed more hope. We have an opportunity right now in this time to remind people that our God is sovereign, that he is mighty, that he is powerful, and that even though now the grass is withering in the plains, even though now we're, we're suffering, even though now there's death and destruction. Eventually, we'll come out of this time because our sovereign God will pull us out of this time. And there will be bounty once more. One of the tools that we have that's going to help us in this day and age, one of the tools that we have that's going to help us lean on this hope that we have in God this comfort that he's trying to give us is to rely on past hopes. 
there's been like a really popular hashtag video thing going around these days where people tell their story about what God has done for them. So I thought maybe I would tell you a little bit of mine. I know I've done this in the past, but I just want to take you through some of the main steps in my life. Now, things sailed pretty smoothly up until I was about 18. Uh, when I was 18, I struggled greatly with depression and drug addiction. I was dealing with some forced life changes that were outside of my control, and I didn't handle them well at all. Now, I was spiraling out of control. I became resentful. I hurt people. I didn't care how much I hurt them or who I even hurt. I was completely focused on myself, what I wanted. And at that time, because of how miserable I was, it seemed like all I really wanted was to make those around me just as miserable. It was some really dark days, some really selfish times for me. I wanted change, but I, I didn't know how to make that change happen. To be honest, I was virtually hopeless. I was at a time where I didn't care if I lived or died. It didn't make a bit of difference to me. And the last place I looked was the first place that I should have looked, and that was God. Now, I was brought out of that time, out of this time of depression and drug addiction in a supernatural way, where I know that the only way that the events that occurred happened because God made it so. That I came out of that situation with my health and with my life because God had his hand in that very time. To toss it back to last week, the things that happened were completely outside of human comprehension, completely outside of my comprehension. And while I can't really go into depth, I could spend the entire sermon on, on this story alone that time gave me hope. That time brought hope back into my life. A hope that honestly I didn't know existed. Now fast forward four years later. I'm 22. I find the love of my life. Jarek and I are expecting our first child. And two months before she's supposed to be here, we're told that we have to meet her. Jerrica's dying. Her kidneys and liver have started to shut down. Her blood pressure is 220 over 110. We know now that she probably had some mini strokes along the way. There's some gaps in her memory, things that she just doesn't recall that point to that fact. Doctors don't give me a good prognosis about mom or baby. Tell me flat out, there's a good chance you're going to lose both of them. And I am shattered. I'm shattered. We're in our second year of marriage. We're, we just bought this house. We're both finishing up college. We're excited about this baby that's on the way. And it looks like I am going to lose everything. And stuff is stuff. It comes and it goes. But the people in my life, that, that's where the real treasure is. And, and to lose that, to feel like I had no control over that, it just broke me. But you know, even though I was shattered, I wasn't hopeless. 
I wasn't hopeless because I was reminded back of a time when I was 18 years old where God worked miraculously in my life, where he brought about an outcome that no doctor, that no person would say is possible. And so I knew that in this time, God would work because I had already seen God move in miraculous ways. I knew that there could be a different outcome than the outcome that was being told would happen. And so in that time, I hit my knees and I remember just praying, earnestly praying. Prayed everything from God. Take me instead to at least leave me my daughter to Lord Jerrica has to be here because if she's not, I know I can't do it by myself. And I just remember praying and I don't remember how long I prayed, but it was a long continuous prayer. And as you guys know, Cordelia is seven now and Jerrica is still with us and they're both perfectly healthy. And God did that. Now, five, almost six years later, we're going through the same thing with our second child, Winifred. I get this call at work in the middle of the day that says, we've been trying to reach your wife. We can't get a hold of her. You need to call her and you both need to come to the hospital right now. See, her liver and her kidneys are starting to shut down again. There's something about being pregnant that does not go well with Jerrica's body. As Jerrica would say, she sucks at being pregnant. Those are her words, not mine. In this time, we're worried. It's obviously not the normal situation, but we are completely handling, handing this situation over to God because we know that he is in control because time and time again in our past, he has worked on our behalf. You see, in this time where we are struggling to find hope, it is important that we rely on all the past hopes that we have seen fulfilled to get us through. Psalm 918 says, but God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. David makes this statement of confirmation after explaining that because God worked in his past repeatedly, he's assured that his hope that he's placing in God is not in vain. So he'll continue to place his hope in God. Psalm 42.5 says, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul, why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall praise him, my help and my God. You see, John Piper, famous theologian, refers to this idea as your hope reserve or reservoir, your hope reservoir. That all the times you come across something in life that doesn't go the way you want it to, you have that reservoir of hope to kind of get you through. You don't get the job. Well, you have that reservoir of hope, those past hopes fulfilled to, to move you past that. You're experiencing a, a severe illness and you're not coming out of it as quickly as you would like. We have that hope reservoir to, to, to carry us through, to lean on and to rely on to get us to that next phase in our life. Or heaven forbid we lose a loved one. And we have that hope reservoir to know that even in the midst of some of our darkest days, God can still be our light. 
the rest of this chapter in Isaiah 40 from verses 12 to 31 is a really cool instance. It's this time where God honestly is coming out and saying, hey, put some respect on my name. And, and so that's a challenge I, I give to all of us today is to put some respect on his name, to remember who it is that we serve. I'm going to read Isaiah 40, 12 through 31. And as we go, I may say a few things, but it starts out, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? You see, these are all rhetorical questions because it's God that did those things. And God didn't need anyone to instruct him. God didn't need anybody as counselor. The Lord didn't need anybody to impart knowledge on him. He already has all of these things. He already has all of these things. And can you imagine that we serve the God who the breath of his hand marked off the end of the heavens that we say go on for infinity because we can't possibly see the end of him. We don't have the technology to, to, to get there. We think it's continually growing. But scripture would say that at a certain point, God said, here's enough. Here's enough. God who, who weighed the earth, the entire earth, on a scale goes on in verse 15. Surely the nations are like a drop in the a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings before him. All the nations are nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless by less than nothing. See all these powerful nations, Israel, even Babylon, that's about to take you captive. All, all, all of these nations that are in complete control and have all this power, and compared to God, they are nothing. The United States of America and all its grandeur compared to God is nothing. China, with all of its advancements and all of its successes, is nothing compared to the power that our God has. Verse 18 goes on to say, With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metalworker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot, and they'll look for a skilled worker to set up an idol that it will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Have you not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught, to nothing. The richest rulers around can become nothing at a snap of his fingers. And he reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than that he blows on them and they wither. Remember, people are grass in the field compared to God. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like the chaff. 
To whom will you compare me? This is God asking, to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. You see, in these times where everything is confusing, where there's so much that we don't know and there's so much that we don't have control over and there's so much that we are needing, it's temporary, but our God is everlasting. He will always be here, regardless of what we are going through. Regardless of what we're going through. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, those who place their hope in the Lord, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is God's wake-up call. If God is who he says he is, he's omniscient. It means that he is all-knowing. Your fears and your failures, he knows all of them. He knows what came first, the chicken or the egg. He's omnipresent, meaning literally that he is all-present. He is all-here. See, there's nowhere you can be that escapes the presence of God. That's physical destination or that's emotional destination. Whether you're at the top of the mountain or the bottom of the valley, no matter how you're feeling today, there's no place that you can find yourself that God is not there with you. That God is not there with you. And he's also omnipotent. God is all-powerful. He can do anything. He can do anything and everything. He has the power to complete it. Every time I think about this, I think about little kids, how they bicker back and forth about my dad's stronger than your dad. My dad could beat your dad up. My dad can jump higher, run faster. He's smarter. Cordelia never made that argument. Right? But I have a dad. I have a father who's bigger than your dad, who's stronger than your dad, who's more capable than your dad. God can do anything and everything. He is here with us in this time as much as he's here with us on our brightest days. And while there's so many things that we don't know, he has the answers. Last thing I want you to hear is this. Hope doesn't have an expiration date. Hope doesn't have an expiration date. Romans 8, 24 through 25 says, we were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Romans 8 speaks of hope that we have in our current suffering. You see, the statement in 8, 24, 25 specifically talks about salvation. But the word here on hope is applicable to all instances. Hope has a condition, and that's that it doesn't have an expiration. Hope is not hope if we have to have it immediately or if we are unwavering in our belief that it will happen. 
Hope is not hope if we say, if it doesn't happen right now, then it's just never going to. That's not hope, that's an ultimatum. Your past experiences and the very character of God should inspire the longevity of hope. So in this time, I would encourage you to be patient, as hard as that may be. Obviously, we know that there's not an immediate end to our situation. We have some of the smartest people in the world trying to forecast when that will be. To try to give people hope in a life that fails. To give people hope in a life that's unpredictable and uncontrollable. But place your hope in the God that is in control and that is unwavering and that wants to comfort us in our darkest times. So while I want you to be patient in this time, I also don't want you to let your confidence waver. I don't want you to let your confidence waver. See, look forward to the day without forsaking this time. Because we talked about there are so many lessons to be learned in this time, so I don't want us to forsake it. I don't want us to look past it. I don't want to wish this time away. But that doesn't mean that we can't look forward to the day when we move past this. I hope that makes sense, how we can combine the two, how we can still hope for a brighter future, but yet we can still appreciate the darkness or the valley or however you want to look at this time in your life where there's still so much to be learned, there's still so much to be had, there's still blessing. So let's not let our confidence waver as we look forward to the day when we're past this, knowing that it will come, knowing that it will come. You see, this is biblical hope. Usually when we hope for something, it's because we're not sure of the outcome. I hope I'll make it to work on time. I hope so-and-so is going to call me today or reach out. You know, those hopes, the way we use hope, it's for a situation where we don't know what the outcome is. But a biblical hope, a biblical hope expects a desired outcome and is confident that it will happen. See, the hope that God offers is different. It's filled with expectation and confidence. And so right now today, my prayer for you is that you, not just in this situation in life, but in all situations that you come across that are trials, that cause strife and pain and suffering, my prayer for you today is that you will find this biblical hope in those times to get you through. And that you'll rely on your hope reservoir to see you to the end. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time where you're in control when we are not. When there are so many things that we wish that we could do that we can't. God, I'm so thankful that we have someone to place our hope in. And that someone is you, a God who measured out the heavens, a God who held all the waters of the earth in his hand, a God who has determined our beginning and our end, who knows how many hairs are on our head, who's all-knowing and all-powerful and all-present. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your 
very being because we know that in this day and age you will see us through anything and everything. Help us to be patient but confident as we hope for our brighter future. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. of grief or pain leave to thy God to order and provide in every change he faithful will remain be still my soul thy best thy heavenly friend through thorny still my soul thy God doth undertake to guide the future as he has the past thy hope thy confidence let nothing shake all now mysterious shall be bright at last Still, my soul, the waves and winds still know his voice who rolled them while he dwelled below. In you, I rest, in you, I find my hope, in you, I trust. I'll never let. Place my life within your hands alone. Be still, my soul. Be still, my soul. The hour is hastening on when we shall be forever with the Lord. When disappointment, grief, and fear are gone, sorrow forgot, love's purest joys restored. Be still, my soul, when change and tears are past, all safe and blessed, we shall meet at in you I rest, in you I find my hope, in you I trust, you never let me go, I place my
prayer after what we just heard this morning. We need to find our hope in God uh, to let our souls be still. Um, Though they be restless within us, um, God can bring hope and bring rest uh, during this time. And so I I hope that that, uh, you prayed that prayer this morning as we sing that. Let's sing one more song this morning before we go.
we uh, know what you will do in the future is exactly what you say that you will do. And we know that because you, every promise that you've ever uh, given has come true. You've ne- never once failed any of your promises. And why, why would you fail in the future if you've been perfect up to this point? So God, as we read that scripture this morning and know that it speaks to us even today, Lord, I pray that we would not lose hope, that we would not forget about the promises that you've made, but would stand fast on those uh, those words and know that they will come true. God, you will deliver your people, and I know that that is true. And so, God, Lord, whether it happens in the, in the next few weeks or in the next few months or years from now, God, we will trust you and we will know that it is true and that you, um, what you've said will uh, be done. And I thank you, Lord, um, that we get to be um, just in relationship with you, knowing that, that there's nothing to fear when there is hope to be found. God, uh, help us throughout this day, throughout this week, Lord, as we go about our days and in uh, and, and our weeks to come, Lord, just walk with us, stand with us, be there for us, answer our, our cries, Lord, um, just everything that you've been doing. We love you, God. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being with us this morning. We love you. Say it again. We love you. Have a great week.